Welcome to the Breakfast with Janie podcast. This week's guest on the Breakfast with Janie podcast is travel expert and CEO of travel consultancy, the PC agency, Paul Charles. I started by welcoming Paul to the podcast and thanking him for joining me. Well, it's great to join you, Janie, and thank you very much for inviting me on. Uh, What a year indeed. I mean, I think a lot of people listening will probably be thinking it's the Annus Horribilis for most of them, frankly. They just want to move on. They want to get their livelihoods back. But there there are some bits of the pandemic and, and lockdown, I think, that they probably want to hang on to. I think many of us have been pleased to slow down a bit, um, to review our daily lives, to not have to commute, um, to to rethink our priorities, to think where's the place I really want to live? Do I want to live in a big city, in a noisy, polluted city? Or do I want to get out to the Cotswolds or Scotland or Ireland and live there? So I think I think in common with lots of people, it's forced me to just think, what's life about? And the older you get, uh, I'm I'm lucky enough or sad enough to reach my 50th birthday this year. Um, the older you get, I think the more you ask that question and, and everyone's been asking it during lockdown. Well, happy birthday Thank for, you. When, for Thank whenever you that is. Thank and you. it has been a very busy um, travel year. So I know you're mm. talking about reflections and looking at things maybe a different way now. Uh, and obviously, you know, the work you do is all involved with travel. Can you mm. tell me a little bit about the PC agency and, and why you do what you do, what's incorporated, maybe what's a typical day for yourself? Well, I started the PC agency because um, I wanted to really advise senior leaders in the travel and tourism sector about how to communicate, how they could um, sell their services or their destinations better. We are around 20 people in the team. I have a fantastically talented team that, you know, I just couldn't do the job without them. They are brilliant. They work hard. They do it with fun. Um, they're committed, they're passionate. And I think that's what travel and tourism generally is about anyway. You have to be passionate about the sector to to do well in it. And we advise hotels, airlines, tourism boards, cruise lines, tour operators all over the world on, on how to just tell people how it is and how to communicate very simply with consumers and governments and others. Um, we love what we do. I love what I do. I'm very lucky to have um, come into public relations and lobbying and um, wider communications from having been initially a journalist in the past. And it is it is great fun. Um, the sector makes it fun. And so I think we usually, in normal times, enjoy travelling around the world responsibly, talking to our clients, helping them, advising them if they're opening a hotel or helping them if they're opening a new attraction or restaurant or cruise ship or whatever it might be, um, and, and showing them what's best in class. And, and it's so much fun. And during this pandemic, like many people, obviously we've had challenges. Sadly, I've had to lay off people early in the pandemic. I had to put people on furlough. Uh, but we're now rebuilding, and I'm pleased to say we're we're almost back at where we were pre-pandemic, which is down to the talent and commitment of my team. 
Yeah, and it's interesting that you touched on communication there as, as being important because, of course, recently we've had a, a few mixed messages, haven't we, from the Just government. a few. Just a few, exactly. <laughs> so for those people that are still confused, the new traffic light system, I put new in inverted commas because, of course, we had kind of a rudimentary form of this system before. It's just something that's a little bit more refined. But can you give me mm. a rough explanation of the new traffic light system and what it actually means for consumers in black and white crystal clear i quote well let's try and do that maybe maybe a government minister's listening could take some advice from it uh, <laughs> essentially um yes it should be clear it really should be a very clear red amber green system so that with red you know that you shouldn't be going to that country unless for an extreme reason but you have to hotel quarantine when you come in from that country for amber, you can go to that country. Uh, the government would rather you go only for, again, serious reasons. Um, and then you self-isolate for up to 10 days when you come back. You can, of course, choose to test a release and come out of self-isolation early. I'll come back to amber in a minute. And then green, uh, very simply, you can go to deemed a safe country. And uh, when you come back, you just have to take a PCR test on day two for when you come back, but no self-isolation is needed. Now, my view is they've made the amber uh, zone far too complicated. People should be allowed and they can go to amber countries. It's not illegal. Um, and many of the countries that are on the amber list, there are about 170, it's the vast bulk of countries in the world, are safe. Many of them like Caribbean islands, like Grenada, they have zero infections. Um, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to go to Grenada. They have brilliant medical infrastructure, they test for variants, they do all the things the British government wants them to do and yet they haven't been put on the green list. And there are many countries like that. Malta is another good example. So what the government's done is found itself in a ridiculous position this week with ministers contradicting each other over what the, the amber list is and does. And the reality is the government should have made it simpler and say of course you can go to an amber but you have to self-isolate when you come back. Instead, they've made the amber list seem like a red list and they've made it out to be a dangerous place to be. And of course, it's not dangerous at all as long as you travel safely and responsibly. Agreed. And actually, from a consumer rights perspective now, it's put a lot of people in a difficult position because they have booked, mm. in good faith, amber list holidays and they actually have a better chance of a refund if it's a red list country. It's a good point. And obviously, let's not forget the Foreign Office, the FCDO, um, have their own advice, of course, on what is safe. And they name various Greek islands, for example, and Malta, among other places, as being safe to travel to. So consumers, understandably, are getting really confused. Do we follow the advice of the Department for Transport's traffic light system? Or do we follow the Foreign Office's advice on a country that is safe and so it's no wonder people have been put off booking and that's what the government have created rather than helping recovery in the sector by opening up travel from the 17th of may what they've done is is seed more confusion and put off people traveling and i think there are a lot of people now who are saying oh i'll just stay at home or i'll wait and see what happens and as you know janie the travel sector needs cash coming in right now in order to help it recover it certainly does. We won't be talking about a travel industry much longer, will we? So mm, it is all that's important. That's the fear. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's interesting that you mentioned about the conflict and advice between the FCDO, what's on, what's coming from the FCDO, and also the Department for Transport, because I think mm. that difference between that advice is also something that people don't understand because they think mm. it's the same. So they yes, think it's coming uh, from the same source, and it's absolutely. not. Absolutely. And what and this is symptomatic of government infighting between departments. They should be deciding who is in charge of overall overseas travel advice. And they really haven't got that right since the pandemic began. And that's why there's been so much confusion. So you've had a stop starting of travel over the last year. It's been impossible for leaders in the sector to really understand where, with any clarity or certainty what the government is planning. And there's a danger they make a, a complete hash of reopening this summer at this rate. And of course, our sector does need a strong summer this year to survive. Otherwise, you're going to see livelihoods going, jobs going again, another wave of redundancies as companies collapse. Um, the government really have got to get their act together on this in order to protect jobs. And I hope the Prime Minister will see that. I, I hope so too. It just seems like a, a whole host of half-baked initiatives with more holes and Swiss cheese every time. And <laughs> I haven't been optimistic about any of the steps forward because mm. I, you, I just wait for the catch every time. Absolutely. You always feel as though they're giving with one hand. And it's great that the Prime Minister did listen to us in the sector and he promised a May reopening and he's delivered on that. So clap, clap, clap. Thank you very much, Prime Minister, for that. But then on the other hand, you've got other ministers almost taking that away and and saying you shouldn't be travelling. And you've got the Home Office and the Department of Health advising really against travel. Well, that's not helping the sector and the, and the Prime Minister needs to get a grip here and provide that clarity. Um, well, what can help consumers is actually knowing what makes a country green, so what are the different criteria so that mm-hmm. they are aware of it, and also how the data from the PC agency can help inform travel decisions in that respect. That's a really good question. So um, obviously the government has set out four key criteria for these traffic lights to, to be a green country. Um, Those criteria are the vaccination rollout and how well that's going. They are whether the infection rate is low enough and at a certain low level. Uh, Thirdly, whether the data that's being produced by that destination is credible enough, is believable. And fourthly, it's whether the country has the ability to spot variants emerging in their own country. So effectively how good their testing capability is. And um, in the initial 12 destinations on the initial green list, you had places like uh, South Sandwich Islands and even Iceland, where I can assure you there is very little genome sequencing and testing going on (laughs) in those places. South Sandwich Islands doesn't even have an airport. So um, uh, it's a bizarre list and a list that has been much criticised and there should have been many other countries on that list who who absolutely deserve to be on it. Agreed. But you're right, from a consumer point of view, they're confused as to why these countries are or aren't on the list. And what we've been doing at the PC agency, certainly for about 10 months now, is helping to analyse the traffic lights, which countries should be green, which ones are yellow and red, and so that consumers can see which countries are sort of heading into the red and which ones are going into the green. It helped thousands of people last summer to choose the right holiday or to come home early before a corridor was taken away. And uh, we, we keep offering that advice you know, via our Twitter feed and trying to help people navigate what is a very confusing picture. And the government have deliberately made it confusing because they don't want that many people travelling. 
How can people access the data from the PC agency? Well, there are, there are two types, really. There's what we put on our Twitter feed and Instagram and what I put on my Twitter feed, um, which is commentary every day on announcements and what the government's doing. Uh, and then we do analyse the, the traffic lights. We haven't actually uh, posted on those for a couple of weeks now because we're, we're just making some adjustments to take account of the government's new measures. So we will be posting a new um, traffic light update very soon. And then, of course, we have clients who actually pay for our uh, detailed and in-depth analysis, uh, which we offer, um, and, and many clients do pay for that. So if you're listening and you've got a bit of money and you fancy getting a proper daily or weekly insight into what's going on to help you plan as a business, then obviously you're welcome to contact us. But, but t- following on Twitter is the, the next best way. Planning is all important. I think that's a very key Mm. word for uh, post-pandemic holidays and travel in general, because we're going to have to plan like we've never planned before. Dot Mm. all the I's, cross all the T's, check everything and then check it again twice. It's almost like Christmas, but (laughs) Father Christmas with his presents list, isn't it? (laughs) You have to to be a sleuth, Janie. You have to be a detective at the moment if you want to go on holiday. It didn't used to be like this. And um, sadly, I feel like we're going a little bit back to the 1970s when you, you, you... well, you won't remember. I just about remember. But but that was when there were fewer flights. Um, you had to change your itinerary based on when the airline was flying because you couldn't guarantee the frequency. There wasn't as much choice. They didn't fly to as many destinations. And the flight prices were higher because there were fewer flights and there was less demand. And it, it really was for the wealthy. And I, I hope we don't go back to that situation. But I fear that we might this summer because especially in the mass market, Many consumers just won't be able to afford the high costs of testing or they don't want to take a risk on whether that country is going to become a red country. And I, and I fear that's what government has done. It's, it's decapitated the travel sector to some extent, especially the mass market. Yeah, and outpriced it for, for mm. many people that have just been longing really to, to go away and have that much needed holiday. I don't know about you, but after the last year, I definitely need one. I'm on that first mm. plane I can get on. <laughs> I, I need two holidays, maybe three. Just need a few more countries on that green yeah. list. Otherwise, it's not going to be that appealing, is it? Well, there are lots of NHS workers and key workers. I'm sure there are some listening who, frankly, deserve as many holidays as they can get. And they've worked really hard. People have had a hard lockdown. Sadly, people have lost relatives and friends who've died from COVID. Uh, there are many reasons why people need to travel, not just for a holiday, of course, but to see family and friends overseas or to um, deal with some property they might have overseas. There are lots of reasons. That's why we need to get travel going again. And um, it's uh, a way of de-stressing, I have to say. And what are your top tips then for post-pandemic travel? Successful and happy. Well, I think uh, it's going to be different for this summer than it is for this time next year. Uh, That's for sure when things hopefully will have really settled down. But I think for this summer, it's do your research, do a lot of looking around for deals. There are lots of deals around. You can get flights for 15 euros to fly to Europe still. Um, There are hotels that are doing last minute deals if you phone them rather than deal with them over the internet. You'll get a better deal sometimes by calling them up and uh, trying to negotiate a better deal. Um, So there's the last minute side of things. I think 
crucially do your research on not only the gov.uk website where the foreign office advice is, but also on consumer websites um, and do your research about the country you want to go to, what the rules are for going in, what regulations they have. Uh, be prepared for searching around for testing when you come back. Obviously, the UK government wants you to do quite a bit of testing, a pre-departure test before you come back to the UK and then potentially up to three tests here depending on where you're coming back from and whether you want to test a release early. So do your research about the costs of tests. There are 24-hour clinics you can go to now and get tests done very quickly, walk in and get your test four hours later, get your result four hours later in some cases. You'll pay more for that, but do your research on that. And then I think finally, it's um, try and do a longer holiday. Uh, don't feel you need to do three trips all of three days and, and have all the test costs associated with that. Just go away for a longer holiday. Do a two-week holiday, a three-week holiday if you can. Um, and then you'll have fewer testing costs when you come back. And you'll probably create more memories over those three weeks than you would have done by taking lots of trips, which could cause more, more frustration and stress. That Those would be my top tips. Oh, that sounds so amazing, a three-week holiday. Like put, mm. put me down, get me down on that list. <laughs> now you might think you were I'm here sure to talk. You. you might think that you were here to talk about travel today, but of course this is a breakfast interview. So I'd be mm-hmm. really interested to know who you would like to have breakfast with. Uh, of course, my present company accepted, and where? <laughs> so where can we where can we have breakfast or any, anywhere in the world? And who do you think you would love to have breakfast with? Right now, I'd like to be having breakfast in Dublin, in Ireland. Um, I know it's not that far away, but I, I love Ireland. I love Dublin. The people are fantastic. Uh, they've got the gift of the gab. They smile a lot. The food is fantastic. I'd love to be um, sitting on one of the docks in, in one of the Dublin bays, uh, maybe having breakfast there. Um, and who would I have it with? That's a really good question. Um I think it would be uh, President Obama because he's such an innovative character, he's eloquent, I think he carried himself brilliantly during his presidency, he's taught the world how to be a better place and I think he'd have a lot of advice to give around how to make the world a better place, especially from a travel perspective and sustainability perspective. So I'd plump for Barack Obama. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, that is an excellent choice and a very popular one, along with Michelle Obama on mm. this series. So it speaks volumes, really, doesn't it? Hopefully she could come along as well. So yeah. I, if I'm allowed to, I'd choose Barack and Michelle at the same time. Yeah, and me. So four. <laughs> and um, you. Yes, of course. exactly. Thank you so much for chatting to me. Um, yeah, let's onwards and upwards. Nice to chat to you, Joni. Great, thank you. thank you. How lovely to chat to Paul and hear his thoughts about travel after such a turbulent year. Let's hope better days are definitely to come. This recording was made before the latest announcement made by the government. If you'd like to find out more about the PC Agency, then check out the website or follow Paul Charles on Twitter at P. Paul Charles.